Hey everybody, welcome to the Heavy Debriefings Podcast. It's Josh Ronquist along with... The Metal Fairy. And it's great to be back here with you for the fifth episode, which is five episodes more than I thought that this was going to last. Yes. Uh, I'm so thankful that you decided to stick around this long, and I think we have a really fun-filled yet depressing episode for you this time around. Uh, as is tradition. As is tradition here on the Heavy to Briefings podcast. Uh, <laughs> Going to be talking about a lot of dark music, talking about a lot of dark movies, and talking about some very sad news to start mm-hmm. things off as... We've talked about since the very first episode of the revamped version of the Heavy Debriefings podcast. Every night when we're both together, we fall asleep watching King of the Hill. Yes. Uh, it is a show that you avoided like the plague <laughs> ever since it came out. Yes. <laughs> now, now, before we go any further, what was your reasoning for avoiding King of the Hill? I It just, from appearance of like seeing commercials and seeing like little pieces of it, it just seemed like not my kind of humor and like, I don't know, I love Beavis and Butt head back in the day but i never really understood i forget what his name was on there but uh hank hill's character oh, oh anderson <laughs> anderson thank you yeah um it just it just seemed like it would not be my thing little trivia anderson was supposed to be hank hill's dad mm-hmm. yes. but uh fox would not let that slide so that's how cotton hill came to be yes but uh also another bit of trivia uh talking uh, it's a good segue into this uh the original voice of dale gribble was supposed to be daniel stern of home alone fame oh okay but uh there was some contract disputes over money and it ended up going to the now sadly past johnny harwick uh at the age of 64 uh all that i've seen reported so far is that uh the police went for a wellness check Mm -hmm. on him and they found him dead on the ground yeah at only 64 way too young way too young not that any age is a good age but oof oh definitely and especially with uh, the revival of king of the hill that was seemingly on the horizon yes i've seen some people say that the revival's canceled now because of this but i have not seen any official word on that so until i see that i'm choosing to believe that they're going to continue going forward with I, it i have also seen some reports saying that he did record five episodes or at least parts of five episodes so who knows and that is more than I actually heard about mm-hmm. but uh you know I think that would be a good way to send things off is still being able to show all that off but it's just so sad because you know like the deal is not a character that you're really supposed to aspire to <laughs> I mean, he's been smoking Manitoba cigarettes since he was in the third grade, a huge conspiracy theorist. Yes. Uh, Of course, there's a lot of people who think that Dale's right about all of his conspiracy theories now. I call them nut jobs (laughs) or uh, giblet heads. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he was such a great character for like everything that was going on. He always had funny moments going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had great stories. The fact that he never realized what the biggest conspiracy of all, what was going on on within his own family is so ridiculously funny when he's such a conspiracy theorist well and there was always the kind of the over uh, arching question of did he know and just like didn't say it or you know how dumb is he really because he appears pretty Mm, not not the brightest bulb on the tree, you know, but is he just playing it off that way? Does he actually have a lot of this knowledge that, that nobody knows about? Which is very possible because, I mean, he has a lot of love and affection for Joseph, so it's Absolutely. very possible that uh, he just wanted to be a good father towards him. Mm-hmm. And that could be the best revenge that he can get towards John Redhorn, you know. Hey, okay, you're, you're with my wife and I'm welcoming you into our house open arms and I'm becoming friends with you and helping with the lawsuit and everything, but you're not going to see your kid because I'm going to be his dad. It's true. It's, it, it would be sweet, sweet revenge. It would. 
Although with this passing, it does take away one thing I really wanted from the King of the Hill revival, which I've talked to you many times yes, about this, yes. but I wanted the voice of Joseph to to be the voice of John Redcorn in the yes. new series because the the premise of the new series is that everyone was going to be aged up. Mm-hmm. So hearing Joseph sound like John Redcorn to his dad <laughs> would have been hilarious, and especially with the idea of Dale not knowing or understanding anything. I thought it just would have been hilarious. Hilarious. Absolutely. But yeah, that was some uh, bummer news, especially for us. It's it's a bit harder watching King of the Hill now. Yeah. With all the people that have died. The original voice of John Redcorn, Luann, Lucky, mm-hmm. and now Dale Gribble. <sighs> but also... um. Depending on how you look at it, bummer news, very confusing news, pandering news, however you want to look at it. Uh, American Idol star Sanjaya, I mean, uh, Kelly Clarkson, I mean, uh, Carrie Underwood is uh, opening for... Four times the charm. <laughs> That's right, Anastasia. Yes. Uh, no, seriously, uh, Carrie Underwood is opening for Guns N' Roses for a few shows. Head scratcher. A head scratcher in and of itself, but all of a sudden she decided to, for a lot of people, pander to the Guns N' Roses audience and cover Motorhead's The Ace of Spades. Yes. I showed you the the, the cell phone YouTube version of this. <laughs> what are the your best th- quality. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, my thoughts are, I mean, as far as the performance goes, it was not great in my opinion. It seemed like she was really trying to put on this harsh vocals, which I, to my, the best of my knowledge is not her thing. Um, But overall, it brings up kind of the topic of like people kind of covering other genres and stuff like that. And, you know, if, if it's something that you're really, truly interested in and you want to kind of gravitate towards, hey, do your thing. But if it's just a kind of, like you said, pander to the audience in, in a case like this, which it kind of seems that way to me maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but i think it's a little messed up then yeah i i'm a little 50 50 on this yeah because i've seen some reports saying that's a oh uh on her spotify or uh mp3 player whatever it is that's uh she listens to hard rock and heavy metal which that could just be a marketing ploy that could be something she actually enjoys i don't know mm-hmm. it also just seemed weird to try to cover lemmy's voice because unless you do uh, a whole bottle of Jack and Coke and smoke a whole <laughs> carton of cigarettes every day for decades, you're never going to get Lemmy's voice down because no one can get that kind of voice and live. Yeah. <laughs> um, the backing band seemed like they were doing a pretty decent job of the cover. I mean, yeah. it's not always going to sound like Motorhead, but it's also weird that the one that sang Before He Cheats is covering Ace of Spades, which, you know, you have a full-on country starlet. I mean, that's what she's basically known for. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're doing a very anti-religion song like Ace of Spades. <laughs> it it feels off to me. Yeah. Like if you would have chose a different song, a different band or something like that, I would have gotten it. But especially, you know, it's like, the only God I need is the Ace of Spades. Not, not our Lord or Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are her fans going to think of that? <laughs> and are her fans showing up to the Guns N' Roses show? That's the real question. Yeah. I mean, my best guess is that a majority of the audience is there for Guns N' Roses. Hence the pandering. <laughs> and in speaking of that, uh, I took a look at the uh, Guns N' Roses uh, set list and they did like over 20 some songs, which uh, when you saw the Guns N' Roses uh, back Put your little in... quotations down, buddy. <laughs> it was before the rest of Guns N' Roses minus uh, Duff McKay came back mm-hmm. with a and I was just gonna ask if they did a similar set I mean did they do like a really long set when you saw them oh uh, it was pretty lengthy I can't remember exactly how long it was but yeah it was pretty good now for anyone that may 
may not be familiar with that particular set. Who opened for that show? Yeah, so it was Helmet and Sebastian Bach, and prior to that, the Suicide Girls did a little, not really a song and dance number, because they didn't sing, but they kind of lip-synced and did a little dance routine to it. Yeah, it was like a burlesque thing, right? Yes, yes. That is such an odd pairing. Yes. Uh, all four. Like, Sebastian Bach and Guns <laughs> N' Roses make sense. Absolutely. Helmet absolutely. does not make sense on that no, tour. Nope. And Suicide Girls. It was fairly uncomfortable for a lot of the parents in the audience. <laughs> there was a dad and his little boy sitting next to us and oof yeah he's like don't tell your mom when we get home (laughs) (laughs) so how was sebastian bach oh he was great this was right when his solo album came out or shortly after i believe and yeah he was amazing and helmet not my cup of tea not my cup of tea that really disappoints me and i took you to see helmet because Mm -hmm. i've got him for free and stuff and uh, your opinion did not change at all did it no it did not i tried i tried and failed well i think that about covers it for the news this time Mm -hmm. but uh coming up next is probably my favorite part of the show where we do some <laughs> musical roulette for three random songs I pick out for the metal fairy to be able to check out and get her real opinion on. I've shown her some stuff that she's enjoyed. I showed her some stuff that she would rather never hear again in her yes, life yes. and some stuff in between. Yes. So what do we got this time? So for this week, as it's a really dark episode, especially musically, as we're going to be going along here, yes. I'm trying to pick some songs here that aren't really fitting into the, nah, I guess I can give it away, uh, more gothic overtones. Yes. And I wanted to pick out some stuff that is not really goth, but you know, maybe we'll fit some other forms of rock rock metal and stuff yeah. and uh what could be less gothic than some 41 uh, off of their heaviest album chuck which is my personal favorite mm-hmm. and also one of my favorite some 41 songs and a song that really got me through some tough times in high school the song yeah. pieces yes now as someone who pretty much just enjoys the first two albums from some 41 yes how do you feel about this particular song? <laughs> so I've definitely heard this song and this album quite a bit because you've played it a lot, especially lately. Um, it, It's come around for me. Like, yeah, back in the day, like I loved Sum 41, their first two albums. Um, Does This Look Infected is probably my favorite. Um, but And I didn't really follow up with them after that. But yeah, I've, I've come around to this. I enjoy it now. I'm glad you do. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great heavy songs on here. I mean, there's one song that is basically just a complete and utter ripoff of Metallica's Battery. Yeah. They have other heavy songs on here and then they also have a really good pop punk ballad like pieces like mm-hmm. this particular one is and i'm glad to see that you actually have come around on it because it, a lot of people do say this is the best sum 41 album and i've heard that like i think back when i was younger does this look infected just really hit me in the right spot because that was early 2000s when i was in my um skateboarding phase yes my skateboarding phase <laughs> <laughs> no just with it being so politically charged and me being of the left side if you haven't <laughs> come to this conclusion yet and especially at that time when you know bush was the most evil thing in the world we never had a worse president than bush ever (laughs) little did we know then Um, uh, yeah, this just kind of hit me at the right spot, though. Well, I think that's all the more reason you need to check out Chuck, Mm. because it is a very left-wing, politically charged album. Arguably their most politically charged album. Mm. Uh, When you check out uh, the songs and the lyrics, like songs like We're All to Blame for, like, the end of the world and how we're destroying the world and political head figures. I think you should actually give the full album a shot and especially read up on the lyrics at the same time. I think you'll find those leanings in there. Maybe I will. (laughs) 
Well, next up, we decided to go in a different direction with... Yeah, next up, we went in a very different direction from the world of pop punk and kind of heavy metal to the world of Norwegian progressive metal with the band Circus Maximus, who we got to see back at Prog Power 2016. Mm -hmm. I actually got uh, one of their work shirts that they have that I hope to uh, slim down and fit in, actually, at some <laughs> point. But um, I picked a probably, at least in my humblest of humble opinions, their best song... Architect of Fortune off the album Nine. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you remember Circus Maximus or anything like that, but mm-hmm. uh, listening to this again, what what did you think? Yeah, um, not bad. Not bad. I mean, I remember, that's basically how I remember them. <laughs> like, they were totally enjoyable, but nothing I next necessarily went back to listen to again after seeing them live. <laughs> and never would again, I take it. <laughs> um, It's something that if it came on, I wouldn't necessarily turn it off, but like, I don't know if I'd gravitate towards naturally like I, he has a really pretty voice he has a very very clear voice like clearer than most other singers <laughs> and like musically like I like the keyboards I like a little bit of that proggy wankery but not nearly as much as a lot of bands and not in an as annoying of a fashion <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was perfectly fine and enjoyable. So I just gotta ask, what's your problem? Oh no, wait, I'm actually doing that this week. Uh, I'm I'm in the hot seat for that yes, one, and that you comes are. up after the next song. Yes, but at least you gave that one a shot, and uh, I mean, it is progressive music. Ooh. Ooh. You like prog bands? Don't act like you don't like some <laughs> prog bands. You're gonna experience that a lot in the in the coming weeks, months, and however long this continues to go. Yes. Before we uh, go for each other's throats, um, there will be more prog bands, and she will either love them or hate them or think they're okay. Stay tuned for prog and blood. <laughs> But but uh, finally here for the last song, we're going with the song that uh, the Middle Fairy did not want to even get to the chorus to <laughs> from one of the most legendary doom bands out there, Candlemass, off the album Epicus, uh, Epicus Doomicus Metallicus. Of course, it is the song Solitude. <laughs> Metal Fairy, please explain yourself. Okay, number one, let's clarify. I didn't need to get to the chorus because I've heard this song many, many times already. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it, it's a good song. It's like, I, I enjoy his voice. It's very unique. He has a very unique voice. Um, actually, but prior to me even meeting you, I was familiar with Candlemass and listened to Candlemass once in a while. Now, let well, me clarify. Well, this is brand new information no. I did not, I was not privy to. Now, let me clarify. As I've gotten older, I've kind of moved away from that music, which is why I don't really listen to it anymore at all. But I'm going to blame it on your ex, even if he's not responsible. Which one? Anyways... <laughs> Anywho, um, but no, it's it's a good song. They're a great band. I just I don't really gravitate towards that music that much anymore. Well, I definitely know what's going to be coming up on a future segment of what's your problem when we yes. cover doom metal. <laughs> But uh, for me, love Candlemass, love everything they've done, no matter the singer, no matter the style, and they've held up all these years. And there's the musical roulette for this week with uh, three random songs. So up next, we have a little debate coming. See, we're both pretty big fans of the band Him. Um, only we, we like some different eras from them. Uh, and there's one album in particular, Dark Light, that the drummer guy, Heavy Debriefing's master himself, has always seemed to hate for no apparent reason. So I need to ask him, what's your problem? First of all, how dare you? How dare I what? I, I will go on record in saying that. Yeah, if I have to turn in my metal, heavy metal card for this one, 
Yeah, I enjoy him. Yeah. I enjoy about half of the discography yeah. of him. Yeah. Uh, I bought Razorblade Romance at Hot Topic in my high school years. So I'm not afraid to admit that either. <laughs> emo, emo. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, my personal favorite hymn album is Venus Doom, which really has a lot of the Peaceville 3 sound, which is, of course, Paradise Lost, Anathema, and My Dying Bride. Yes. But it's done through a hymn filter. Yeah. And then Vili Vallo got sober, and then uh, well, some other feelings about the more alternative poppy side of him and his solar, solo career started happening. <laughs> now, for Darklight. Yes. I always felt like this was such a commercial sellout album i felt like it was meant to cash in on the early to mid 2000 sound that was going on wings of a butterfly is the only song on at least our radio stations uh, in our area that ever got any mainstream attention mm-hmm. it, it just felt like it was meant to cater to the american emo goth kids rather than the finnish emo goth kids that they started off with <laughs> It just feels very pandering to me. The riff, the main guitar riff of Wings of a Butterfly aggravates me. I hate the, I hate the sounds that are come on, coming off of it. it. It reminds me of like a Randy Rhodes guitar tone, which I really, <laughs> really don't like. And I should throw that into one of my uh, opinions to make uh, Heavy Music Fans Mad series. Yes. Talking about the Randy Rhodes tone. But yeah, just the overall album feels like it's almost a him album. It feels like an American version of him, and I don't like that. Okay, so first of all, why you gotta divide the emo population in half? Like we're all one family, thank you. I don't believe that for a second, Lynn. You know there's tri- <laughs> there, being wrestling fans, you know there's tribalism in everything. <laughs> why well, you gotta bring wrestling into this? <laughs> But no, I mean, is is it more radio friendly, more kind of popular sounding? Sure. That doesn't mean it's bad. No, uh, there's a lot of bands who went more pop friendly, more radio mm-hmm. rock friendly that have done magnificent work and arguably and it worked too. out better for them. They did too. I don't agree. So far, all you've said is that it's it's more popular sounding. Yes, it deviates from the sound that I loved about the band and commercializes it and makes it feel more bland rather than showing off what him was really capable of. What do you mean by bland? Like, I mean, it's still has his amazing voice with like really deep lyrics and you know the the keyboard guitars that we love and like what what is it about keyboard guitars keyboards and guitars you said keyboard guitars guitar (laughs) ideally a guitar but no because on the earlier albums you could hear different dark tones in their riffs and their songwriting where again i feel like it's americanized where it's meant to hit more for american audiences rather than the global scale that they did before i think it was more so that they're just trying to have more of a hopeful sound hence the name dark light you know darkness in the light like and I, I the album is based off a story i can't remember the exact specifics of it but it's a really dark story that has kind of that hopeful tone to it though and i think that's what they were going for with the sound and to go off my point that i made earlier my favorite album from him is venus doom their darkest doomiest sure gothic metal album sure that's what i gravitate towards more from him i don't need the optimistic him because that leads to the alternative pop punk that led to their 
last two albums, and the new solo album, which I could not make it all the way through. So it's not that they're bad. You just are too snobby to like something that's popular. Do you hate Bam Barnchera too? Where's your hardogram tattoo? Did you hide that too? Have you seen what Bam has done in recent years? I think there's a lot of reasons to hate him right now. Well, why would you hate somebody with issues? <laughs> oh, the you could just ask my family and that can be a whole different thing that goes into that but no it's just the music is a lot more simplistic it's it has a lot Disagree. more are you always going to keep interrupting me that was the only time but keep going like you mentioned it's like it's dark but it's also hopeful where my hymn is always just dark you know like their first album is arguably their best album and of course a lot of songs were rewritten for Razorblade romance yeah but i like the original versions because the guitar tones are so much darker and deeper and more raw Okay. Their cover of Don't Fear the Reaper feels even darker than the original. I like the dark side of him. I don't... There is the dark gothic love throughout the entire discography of him. Yes. But I love it when it's in the darker phase more than the light phase. Okay. And I like both. So what about you? Do you like the album Dark Light by His Infernal Majesty? Make sure to check out the poll below in the description if you're <laughs> checking it out on Spotify. Or let us know on our social medias through Heavy Debriefings on Instagram, Reds, Facebook, and YouTube, and let us know, does this album connect with you? Next up, uh, carrying on from last week where we talked about our top 10 favorite power metal bands, we're going to be going in a much different direction with the top 10s. Our top 10 gothic metal bands. Now, this was your idea to do it this week. Uh, what made you want to do the goth bands this week? Yeah, I mean, just I think we were talking about some goth band at the time. There's been a lot of goth music that's come out recently and just kind of got down that well. And yeah. So what are the parameters that you have for this list? Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of were discussing what exactly is gothic rock metal? Because, I mean, gothic isn't really a specific. I mean, people have deemed it a genre but is it really i mean it's not like death metal power metal kind of you know kind of thing it's more the lyrical content um but people still use that title so for me it's a band who when when you're thinking about them gothic metal is a term that you would use to describe them even though it's not technically really a genre it is but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah definitely i think if you listen to the band you think there's any kind of gothic overtones i think it's yeah like I, there are definitely bands that have some gothic material gothic lyrics that i left off the left off the list just because when i think about them another genre comes to head first than gothic does but yeah so within a mind how about you start things off this week what's your number 10 Alrighty, my number 10 is draconian um so if you're not familiar with them they are a swedish goth kind of doomy band um as you may know and have picked up on the past episodes that doom isn't my usual thing but when done correctly and with the right kind of gothic overtones and stuff like that it can definitely hit me in the right spot and draconian is one of those bands they just kind of have that heavy doomy sound but they also have these very ethereal female vocals as with it as well and it just kind of makes you kind of feel like this dark gothic romance novel <laughs> yeah that totally makes a lot of sense and Honestly, I was going to put Draconian in my top 10, but I had a feeling yes. you were going to throw Draconian in here. So yes. I wanted to try to have as much diversity in this list as possible. For sure. But I love Draconian to bits. Uh, they are just one of those bands that really hit the gothic doom metal 
that I love so very much. Absolutely. And you have some bands in the gothic doom metal territories that you enjoy, possibly mm-hmm. some that we'll be talking about in this list still, mm-hmm. be it on your side or my side. Absolutely. Uh, for my number 10, I went with a band that I don't think that you're really familiar with. Okay. Uh, it's a band called In Mourning. Mm-hmm. They started off more as a Swedish gothic metal band that slowly became more death doom over time, but they still have a lot of gothic overtones to them. Uh, I really love the gothic side of what they do. I mean, the, the death doom is fantastic as well. The death doom, progressive death metal, everything that they accomplish. But when they focus on the gothic sides, it is my favorite that they've done. And some of my favorite gothic metal out there. Um, just like we did last week, uh, we put together our list that's going to feature uh, 20 uh, tracks for a Spotify list. Yes. I picked my particular favorite song from them, uh, Celestial Tear, which is just a god-like gothic ballad. <laughs> and uh, can really make you shed a tear as well, no pun intended. It's It just hits so hard in the feels, and they're a very underrated band that I think a lot more people need to check out. Yeah, I've definitely heard of the name, and I'm sure I've heard them when you play them at some point, but I, I don't remember. So <laughs> I will have to check them out. Um, up next, number nine, I have Charon, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> um, Charon, 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 however yeah. you want to say it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so if you're not familiar with them, they are a Finnish gothic metal, just straight up. That's how they typically go by uh, band. They have uh, disbanded back in 2015, so sadly not not putting out any new music, but um, they definitely kind of fit in with a lot of the Finnish gothic bands, but JP uh, Lepaluoto, I believe that's how you say his name. I don't know. Um, he, you might know him from Northern Kings, or uh, he was also on the first Boys in Black album. He has such, like, an amazing deep voice, kind of kind of in, in line with... Um, uh, hypo, uh, hypo negative Peter Steele. Yes, Peter Steele. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Freddie Foreshadow. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in line with that, but like just kind of a unique sound to it. And he just adds such a vibe to their music. Um, but yeah, they're just they're a really great band. Very underrated. Yeah. Anytime I've ever heard you play them, I've always enjoyed them. And it's mm-hmm. another one of those bands that I need to check out on my own. But every time I've ever heard them, it's just some great gothic overtones to them. And mm-hmm. I forgot he was a part of the first Poison Black album. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going in with my number nine, because I said uh, thank you, Freddie Foreshadow, is actually typo negative. <laughs> what uh, the, timing. <laughs> the perfect timing. Uh, the Brooklyn gothic metal band that made fun of being goth at the same time. I mean, all you have to do is look at their biggest song, Black Number One, Little Miss Scare All. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's a song that makes fun of goth people. <laughs> Yet all they did was bring in gothic fan base and they just adapted that more and more all the way through the end. Of course uh, Peter Steele did have his demons and he did some things that is really uh, I'm not going to get into but uh, you can look it up for yourself but the music more than speaks for itself while there are some more faster to mid-paced songs like on the first album you hear a lot of double bass which you don't really hear throughout the rest of the band's discography. They're really known for that slow doom bass vocaled approach that yes. Peter Steele is just known for and makes all the girls do the uh, private parts putting the stereo down on the floor and you know the rest <laughs> type thing going on. Uh, yeah, they're a fun band. The, their albums make fun of you for listening to them. Like they'll put on songs that are just static to make you think that your stereo system is broken. <laughs> they'll 
they'll throw in uh, random hidden tracks that you don't see coming. It just, it all works together so very well. And it's actually a band that uh, you started to appreciate a little bit more over time. Yeah, they're definitely a band I kind of, I mean, obviously I've heard of them forever. You don't, it's, it's pretty hard to avoid hearing of them. But I just kind of always avoided because I, I always, you know, saw their name in Hot Topic. <laughs> like, I always hear, heard about all the golf girls going ape over them. <laughs> and uh, quit looking at me like that, buddy. Oh, does this not remind you of the hymn conversation that we had just a few minutes ago? I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, yes, finally earlier this year, you 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 got me to listen to them, like really listen to them, and I've, I've come around to appreciate them. And with that said, what is your number eight? So my number eight is Moonspell. Um, if you're not familiar with them, they're a band out of Portugal. Depending on what you listen to from them, it can incorporate a lot of different genres. Um, overall, it's, it's a lot of kind of black metal, doom, a little bit of doom. Um, lots of other things mixed in though too. Um, they're just a band that I feel like their name is so perfect for them. It feels almost like in your you're like taking part in some kind of dark ceremony when you listen to them. <laughs> and the, he has such a unique voice, and they're just they're such a unique band i feel like yeah and every album feels distinctly different absolutely which i appreciate i mean sometimes it goes a little more proggy sometimes it's a little more melodic death metal or doom metal or uh, but every album has those gothic overtones and yeah like like you mentioned uh, moonspell i mean it really does feel like you're doing some kind of ceremony yes <laughs> uh, yeah and even though unfortunately we've never gotten to see them yet uh, mm-hmm. it is definitely a band i want to go see at some time and i hope For they sure. come back to minnesota because I think that would just be a fantastic time. Absolutely. What's your number eight? My number eight is Anathema. Now, you can take the last three or four albums out of the equation because those are more of the progressive metal side. Mm. But everything up until we're here because we're here when they did a total change, they were a gothic band through and through. Their first couple albums were gothic doom metal, and then they got more into the alternative gothic metal side, Mm -hmm. which is probably my favorite era of Anathema overall when you look at the consistency of the albums while I think their later day albums are my favorite not all of them are but all of them in the more alternative rock gothic rock gothic metal side I love through and through mm-hmm. uh, particularly the album Judgment which is just a tearjerker from start to finish uh, they of course are a part of the Peaceville 3 which pretty much started the gothic doom metal scene in the early 90s with My Dying Bride and Paradise Lost mm-hmm. yeah they're just one of those classic bands that even though they really did not focus on their early material by the end of their run, they still did appreciate it in some way, shape, and form. And if you only know them from the Prague era, you should give the goth era a try. Yeah. So for me, Anathema it isn't fully up my lane, but we've seen them, what, two or three times? Twice. Twice. And they're just one of those bands that I know how much they mean to you. So even though they're not totally my cup of tea, it's been really great being able to see them and kind of see your emotional connection with them. And it definitely has made me cry a few times listening to their music because of how close and dear it is to you. But what about like the gothic era? of the band. It's not bad. It's just, it's not the kind of goth music I necessarily gravitate towards as much, though. Even though there is the connection with him. I know, I know. Everything's surrounded with him. Everything's (laughs) surrounded with him. (laughs) At least for this episode. And on that note, number seven, I have him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, we kind of... Sidebar, we don't know each other's lists. No, no. So this... 
this is just amazing timing. Exactly. I mean, we kind of got into him already, but they just have that that wonderful kind of dark rock metal kind of just somewhere in between kind of sound. Um, love Vile's voice. He's, I mean, he is a dreamboat. Let's be honest here. At one time, Brian. <laughs> At one time. Well, yeah. Okay. Ages. Ages a factor. Behold the ravages <laughs> of age. Um, but no, I just I, I I've enjoyed them since I was like a teenager. So. <laughs> They're, they're always a classic to go back to. What's your number seven? Well, I would like to talk a little bit more about him as oh, well, sure. too, since, yes. uh, you know, it's uh, been a huge part of this episode so far, Absolutely. Kim. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I discovered uh, Razorblade Romance at Hot Topic. <laughs> The thing you were just giving crap for with typo <laughs> negative. Um, yeah, I love half of their discography. I don't like it when they go more poppy. I don't like it when they go more whatever the last two albums were, that alternative indie <laughs> punk kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Villy Vallo's uh, solo album just did absolutely nothing for me at all. And it's sad because I know he came here earlier this year and that would have been a cool show to see, but I know it was going to be really focused on his solo material and not really hitting the hymns songs that we like Mm -hmm. but i think there's so many bands out there that need to thank him for everything that they were able to accomplish because i think they inspired a lot of bands to embrace their love and gothic sides absolutely so my number seven is an american married duo known as bloody hammers bloody hammers is that perfect culmination of all things rock punk and metal with a horror aesthetic on top of it and there's a lot of gothic imagery that goes along with it I mean, uh, From Beyond the Grave is like the perfect example of a gothic romance is a perfect way to be able to describe that. And with every single album, it sounds different in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like uh, The Summoning is much more of their metal album. Yes. Uh, They also have an album that uh, focuses much more like the punk rock aesthetics. Mm -hmm. They have albums that focus more on the uh, like straight up like gothic synthwave kind of sound. Mm -hmm. They got a little bit of everything and their latest album is pretty much a culmination of all of those combined. So I'm very excited to see what the band is going to be doing next when it comes to that. But yeah, from their music videos, the way they dress, their lyrical content, the music, everything is just layered in gothic horror and it's so much fun to listen to yes i absolutely love bloody hammers i i didn't put them on this list just because i tend to view them as a horror band <laughs> kind of but i mean musically they like you said they kind of go all over the place so i didn't really even though you're completely right in thinking they have that goth element to them it's not the label i put on them so <laughs> but i absolutely love them they're one of my favorite bands I think it has more to do with I discovered the band during their goth era, their more gothic era. Yeah, that so makes that's sense. probably why I still have that attachment to them. That makes sense. But yes, number six. So number six, I have the band For My Pain. So this is a super group that only had one album, unfortunately. Um, but it was comprised of Tomas from Nightwish. Uh, so that tells you right there that it has amazing keyboards throughout. It also had Lori from Charon and it also had a few members of Eternal Tears of Sorrow, which is my favorite band. <laughs> um, it's just everything you want in a goth project. It still had that kind of same vibe as a lot of the other Finnish goth bands, but it was just so well put together, like lyrically, musically. It's amazing. They'd probably be higher had they had more than one album. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, if I'm remembering this correctly, that was like in the early to mid 2000s that album yes. came. Yep. Yeah, I remember that album being marketed everywhere. Oh, really? And I never yeah. checked it out for some reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until you showed me again that I remembered all that marketing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed everything that he's done. Like, uh, Dumas really does have a lot of different styles that oh, he's capable of. Not just the symphonic side, he does the mm-hmm. gothic side. He has a black metal band that I still haven't checked out yet, mm-hmm. which is uh, <laughs> so far fetched to me, but it does make sense i guess but yeah yeah uh, they are a fantastic band and you know sometimes you don't need a sophomore album sometimes one album just does the band justice that is true what's your number six my number six is not even the saddest band i have on the list but they are (laughs) such a sad band the uk power band known as my dying bride aaron stanthorpe has one of the darkest saddest vocal approaches whether he's growling or doing clean vocals vocals uh so many of their songs are just layered in that gothic doom style again peace fell three yes and uh uh surprise surprise all three of the peace fell three made my top 10 list <laughs> but uh whether it's more of the early day stuff where they focused a lot more on like double bass and tempo changes or the newer stuff which has almost completely clean vocals like another band i was gonna throw on here but i consider them more death doom than gothic november's doom kind of has that same thing going on with them uh they are just the uk masters of gothic death doom i love them so much yeah again my dying bride is another one of those bands that i've always been aware of but i've never really given the time to listen to i'm sure i've heard them through you but i don't remember oh i've come to know that about you Uh, yeah, so now the top half of the list. Uh, what's yes. your number five? My number five is Entwine. Um, Entwine is another Finnish uh, gothic band. <laughs> I'm starting to <laughs> notice a, theme, a pattern. <laughs> there's a theme going on here. You were right to pick up on that. Um, They are such an underrated band. They have such a like desolate, lonely sound to a lot of their music. Later on in their uh, discography, they did turn a little bit more um kind of radio-friendly, pop-rocky, but still the lyrical content was there just super beautiful music heartbreaking lyrics um mika is amazing vocalist and like really great keys throughout as well and it's just it's such good music (laughs) yeah anytime that i've heard you play them i've thoroughly enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. it's not usually a kind of band that i always gravitate towards but anytime i hear them it's like i always want to hear more yes like it's kind of mood music for me but when it's in that mood it fits perfectly totally Uh, so for my number five is is a band that has gone through a lot of different changes over the years, but I always consider Gothic to be a part of their sound. It is the Swedish band known as Catatonia. Another band that started off as the gothic death doom style. Then they became more alternative rock. Then they became more progressive. And now they're kind of doing a little bit of everything, which I really appreciate. But again, throughout their entire discography, it's always been gothic. Uh, Jonas's vocals, or Jonas, if that's the way you want to pronounce it. If uh, he always has this style to his vocals that is just so sad. And it's heartbreaking. And I can see why all the goth girls love him so much even <laughs> if he's not exactly easy on your eyes his voice is easy on your soul and no matter the style no matter how progressive or doomy or goth rock it is it always hits home and 
you know, just like we talked about on the show last week or the week before where we played My Twin, you actually enjoy that song. Yeah, like, I've definitely enjoyed what you've played for Cat- from Catatonia for me. It's just one of those bands I need to sit down with myself and kind of grow that connection with um, for me to get to that next level with them. But I've enjoyed everything that I've heard from them, so. All right on. So, number four. My number four is To Die For. Surprise, surprise, another Finnish gothic metal band. <laughs> Who was not long for this world. Uh, um, They are such a unique mix of like this emotional despair sound mixed with almost kind of a melodic 80s kind of pop rock sound in a way for some of their music anyways. Very keyboard guitar driven. Uh, Yape, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he has such a unique voice and they just reunited back like a year or two ago. So excited to see maybe if they uh, come up with some new music, but definitely another underrated band. Check them out. Yeah, uh, much like you've said about a lot of mine, I can say it about yours again. Like, I haven't always listened to them. I mean, it was basically you that turned me on to them. (laughs) But it's another band that just, like, fits that mold when you're in the right mood. Absolutely. And I really hope that they do write some new music, because we could definitely use some of that in 2023 and beyond. For sure. So, World, not long for this world, I mean. Oh. It is the band Sentence. Mm. Arguably one of the best bands to ever come out of Finland. No, they would not have been bigger had him not existed. <laughs> I will repeat that. Sentence would not have been bigger if him not existed. They're two different bands. They are absolutely Yeah. Sentence started off as a Finnish death metal band, much like Amorphous. Uh, very much in that same style of death metal, but instead of turning proggy and folky like Amorphous did. Yeah, that's right. Amorphous has prog to them. <laughs> Uh, Sentenced went into the goth rock, goth metal territory. And of course that came with a vocal change with Vile, who has one of the best voices in goth music. Mm -hmm. Uh, His latest, well, debut solo album is... uh, But... uh, (laughs) Whenever he was, uh, whenever he did Poison Black and Sentenced and any guest spots that he was a part of, he has that great distinct sound to him that you know it's him when it's when he's singing, and he just writes some either very tongue in cheek or very tearful songs, and you know he can make suicide funny if you look at it from <laughs> one particular way, or it's one of the saddest things you could think of Absolutely. if you look at it from the other. I started off with their last album, oddly enough, the Funeral album, mm-hmm. and I was able to go backwards from there and appreciate them over the years but yeah when the funeral album came out i'm surprised i just didn't start wearing the guy liner and uh <laughs> dying my hair black and everything there's because still time now there is but i was thinking about like when i was in high school because yeah. sentence was that band for me for quite a bit of time even though i was really deep into my prog phase mm-hmm. going into their sentenced was that other side of me and they still mean so much to me yeah so i will get into into my views on sentence coming up. Ooh. <laughs> but right now, on a related note, number three, I have Poison Black. <laughs> oh. Um, so Poison Black, like I mentioned earlier, JP was the vocalist on the first album, but then Vile from Sentenced became their vocalist after that. Um, like you mentioned, Vile has such an amazing voice. Again, kind of that deeper tone to it. Poison Black, though, they are just they're such a mix of like dark music also very sexy oh they they what <laughs> I, i've never heard you refer to his music as sexy before poison black oh yeah well you never said sexy before well i mean read the lyrics <laughs> read the room <laughs> 
Yeah, so maybe life is not for everyone. That is some real pure sex going on there. Fine, not that one, but some of them for sure. Um, but it's that mix of like that just despair, but like primal instinct at the same time. Yeah, uh, Poison Black might have made my list, but I I had a good feeling they were going to be on here. Yes. And I had a feeling that Sentence was probably going to be on your list as well too, but I know how much Sentence means to me, so I had to throw them on there. Yeah. But uh, for my number three is a band that I've turned you on to over the last couple years. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that I did as they've turned out to be uh, one of your newer favorite bands. Yes. Uh, the UK band known as Paradise Lost. Uh, the last of the Peaceville 3 on my list where, again, you guessed it, they started off as a gothic death doom band and they became more electronic and alternative. Well, they became more alternative, then more electronic. Then they went back into the gothic sound and then nowadays they do, like Catatonia, a little bit of everything. You can hear the gothic mm -hmm. death doom, you can hear the electronic beats, you can hear the alternative side. And to even focus even more on that industrial side of them and the dark wave, uh, they have a band known as host which gregor and nick started last year but uh the album has come out this year which really does sound like that mid-era paradise loss that i love so much yes uh i started off with their self-titled album which came out in 2004 2005 something like that which i forgot to put in my top 10 albums of every year i've been alive list because uh, for some reason all my paradise lost albums were the wrong year when i was looking through my itunes so that just screwed <laughs> everything up but that album is like that perfect culmination of uh, having more of the industrial electronic side but also just about into the full-on gothic metal side like the heavy gothic side that they followed on with the next couple albums and that's what i love about paradise lost they're able to hit that fine line with everything you got nick holmes vocals which is possibly an acquired taste for some but they hit so well for me and uh whether he's doing bloodbath or host or paradise lost i love it all absolutely the so number two hey, i have you gonna talk about paradise lost oh i will oh <laughs> I didn't want to give it away, but now you gave it away. So it's okay. Number two, I have sentenced. Oh. So, I mean, you already talked about them a little bit, but again, Vile, amazing voice, but just overall such such a deep band. They have, like, they're probably one of the bands that has the most meaning for me, like, behind lyric-wise and stuff. And but at the same time, like you mentioned, they're very tongue-in-cheek. Like, they have that dark humor about them. Um, It's just that great mix, and you can't go wrong with them. My favorite album from them is Cold. Um, but, ah, shoot. The Great Cold <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> um that was my first album from them i i i just adore them so yeah that makes a lot of sense now that i know what your number one is i'm very disappointed to not see my top two make a list for you at all uh the, the first one at number two is nightingale yes uh, the perfect blend of uh, starting off is like that pure 80s goth rock sound. Mm -hmm. And then eventually with every album becoming more and more progressive, but not wanky progressive as no, no. Uh, as uh, the type that you hate. Yes. It's just, it's prog in the right sense. Mm -hmm. And it's got all the great gothic overtones. Almost all the albums have an overarching story of vampires. Uh, the, the last album, well, at least as we know right now, it is the last album, has a little bit more of different styles to them, mm -hmm. but uh, it still has has that great gothic feel right around the great uh, prog moments as well but of course i'm leaving out the best part of all this dan swano mm -hmm. dan swano has such a rugged voice whether he's doing screams growls or clean vocals nightingale is all clean vocals so that might be a turn on or a turn off depending on who you are it doesn't take edge of sanity away from listening to nightingale <laughs> 
but uh, if it's it's a bit lighter than Nightingale, obviously you're not going to be hearing the blast beats and stuff like that. It's more of that goth rock meets progressive metal side. But it just if I would have discovered this band back when I discovered Sentenced, Nightingale would probably be my favorite band today yeah. because of everything that they accomplish. But whenever I throw on Nightingale, it just hits me right in the soul. Totally get it. I have come to adore Nightingale. Dan Swano, I'm glad to see you use my term that I coined. He has he has that rugged, sultry voice to him, and it is amazing. The only reason I didn't put them on this list is that even though I totally understand why you would label them as gothic and they have that kind of vampire overtone and stuff, they're not a band I gravitate towards to get that gothic kind of nit like itch you know scratched like they're just a band that i just adore in general you know that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. and since i buried the lead on this uh you're number one <laughs> yes you did <laughs> paradise lost is my number one which i want to say i am flabbergasted that this is number one for me yeah i figured sentenced would have been number one it was a close call and honestly if you'd pick the right day it could be flopped <laughs> but um yeah i like you mentioned paradise lost has been a band i've gotten to more in recent years and there's definitely some albums from Paradise Lost that still aren't quite my thing but the right ones just hit me the right way and it's just stellar stellar music Nicholas Holmes is my dream man um his his uh, uh, for anyone that's never seen a picture of me I do not look like Nick Holmes whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> So I think that kind of tells you everything. You have a little bit of his personality, though. I mean, you know, I, I do dry have some humor. dry wit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, when it's done right, it's done right. And yeah. Well, to you, what is done right in Paradise Lost? Like, so use my an favorite album is One Second. And it's... it's... It's just that perfect mix of everything. The the lyrics, the music, his his voice is just amazing. And yeah. Yeah, and for anyone not familiar, One Second is right before they started getting into the industrial sound with Believe in Nothing and Host. Uh, it's pretty much the last of their like straight up alternative albums, but it's that great alternative gothic mm-hmm. sound to it. And also the bonus track off that particular album is How Soon Is Now, which is the original version is the theme song off of one of your favorite shows, Charmed. Charmed. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, number one, anyone who knows me should not be surprised by this whatsoever. Uh, the saddest band in my eyes and it every single album ruins you, whether it's more on the black metal side or the latter two albums, which are much, much more on the gothic metal side. It is, of course, the Canadian band was V Prey. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so sad to see that he's been gone for so long now. Uh, 11 years now wow. he's, he's been gone. And uh, coming up on 12 uh, during Christmas time, that's when uh, he left his parents' house for the holidays and got into a car wreck. Ugh. But uh, specifically, one of my favorite albums, but maybe even my favorite album of all time now, I don't know. Uh, Woods 5, Gray Skies and Electric Lights is one of the saddest albums I've ever heard in my entire life. And trust me, over the last several years, all I've been basically doing is listening to Funeral Doom Metal and feeling depressed. (laughs) Nothing tops this Woods 5 for me when it comes into that gothic, doomy, Mm a little bit of black metal stuff going on. The lyrical content is all about death or loss sometimes both uh you know whether it's a song like silver where you realize that uh you were always going to be second place into someone else's life whether it's a song like kiss my ashes goodbye which is on my funeral playlist uh you know it's just 
it's one of the only albums that I have to skip when you're around because yes. it will just make you ball. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, you've actually come around on Woods of Ypres. Like, before, I don't think you really would have given them the time of day. But now, like, uh, when we've gone over uh, uh, the top ten albums of every year I've been alive, this particular album that I've been talking about made your list. Yeah, I've definitely come to appreciate them. Um, it, it, they're very emotional. <laughs> and, like, that's that's the good and bad part for me. Like, I appreciate what they do, but at the same time, especially knowing the connection with you, and I, I think I said this on a previous episode, like, if I wake up in the middle of the night and you're awake and you're listening to this, I know it's a rough night. And so it's it's hard for me to listen to at the same point because it, it does just tear me apart hearing it. But me also at the same time, that makes you feel. Oh, for sure. And if an album can make you feel, I hold that in such a high regard. Absolutely. Not everything can just be, you know, about partying in the USA, as Miley Cyrus used to sing about. Uh, <laughs> what an outdated little <laughs> note you came up with there. <laughs> well, I'm an outdated guy. <laughs> but no, just... I, I have an infatuation with Doom because I am severely depressed. And... I, <laughs> And the lyrical content hits me so hard because it matches a lot of what I feel from day to day. And specifically with Woods 5, it hits me the hardest. But the other four albums are absolutely worthy of your time as well. Specifically Woods 4, which is all about relationships being broken. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shards of Love is another one that just tears you up inside as well. Yes, absolutely. Always good to hear on Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But no, uh, that is our top 10 gothic bands. Yeah. Uh, we're going to put uh, 20 tracks up in a Spotify playlist to get everything rolling on here. And you'll be mm-hmm. able to check that out in the description below, whether it's on YouTube or anywhere you check this out in podcast form. So changing paces a little bit, let's talk about some movies. We've actually uh, watched a few new ones or two new ones over the past week. Um, First up, we went to see Last Voyage of the Demeter in theaters. What were your thoughts on that? I thoroughly enjoyed this for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. One, they took one chapter from Bram Stoker's Dracula and made a whole movie out of it. Yes. A part of the Dracula story that no one talks about. <laughs> no one true. ever talks about his trip from Romania to London. No. And this actually did it. I also appreciate the fact, and I know you're going to bring this up as well too. Yes. That Dracula looked more like Nosferatu than he did Twilight, which <laughs> I think was a great change of pace because you're so used to seeing Dracula as this seductive piece of meat that you get drawn into and then (laughs) you become the victim. Whereas this time, Nosferatu is really just that bat monster mm-hmm. that he originally was. Now, there's a, a couple things that seem kind of leaves like it's up in the air of what they could do, specifically the end, without trying to give anything away. Yeah. Um, I feel like they could do a sequel to this if they choose to. It also yes. feels like they could leave it if they choose to as well. But it was a really dark movie, not just because it was hard to see a lot of the times, because it was taking place at night <laughs> on the ocean. Yes. But but uh, it was a very dark movie, had a lot of gothic overtones to it as well, which uh, seems to be a huge part of this episode. <laughs> um, some rattling moments as well, too. Um, even the jump scares didn't bother me, which is something that usually really bothers me in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Overall, I thought it was a great time. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Like you mentioned, it was 
so refreshing seeing a different take on Dracula. Like, like you said, you're used to seeing kind of this put together man when it comes to Dracula. You're not used to Dracula actually being portrayed as a beast. And in this case, he was. Um, I don't want to give everything away. I mean, you kind of saw kind of two different versions of him in a way. Um, but in both forms, he still wasn't like the put together suave thing that you're like used to seeing in other flicks. So it was really refreshing to see that. Um, outside of that, like, I thought it was a really interesting story. Like, it, it, like I know a lot with a lot of horror movies, you end up hating a lot of the characters. <laughs> and in, in this one, like, even though there was things that you didn't like, like, they were normal people and normal kind of quirks and stuff. So you, you, you got, you became more invested. Yeah, actually, I uh, guess I never even did bring this up when we talked about it originally on the drive home. There wasn't a character I hated in this at all. Yeah. Uh, I thought the captain who has been a part of a lot of different movies and documentaries uh, for voiceover work mm. uh, was like a, a really tragic character. Absolutely. Uh, what happened. And uh, he has such a great voice that uh, if anyone ever decided to do like a, uh, if I ever needed a narrator for my life, I would love to get him to do the voice because he just mm. has that great billowing voice that you would want to hear. Absolutely. And also outside of that, it definitely had a little bit of a socioeconomic kind of uh, reflection in it as well, especially with the main character and kind of at that time time in the history and like that place in the world and stuff like that and just kind of what an experience like that would be like and stuff without getting into more details. <laughs> and much like we talked about with Twisted Metal a couple weeks ago, I think whoever put this trailer together should be fired. Absolutely. Uh, there was no reason for a world is a vampire. Dur, 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 dur. Because it makes it seem like, oh, this is just going to be a nice little popcorn romp. Right. And no, it's meant to be like a scary horror movie. Yes. It, it just, that's a whole other rant I would love to do at some point. The way that they make trailers nowadays not reflective of the actual movie in and of itself. Because had we just gone with the trailer, we never would have enjoyed Twisted Metal. Mm -hmm. Had we gone with just the trailer and not that vested interest in the movie, we probably wouldn't have seen this because of the way that the trailer came out. Exactly. And just to calm anybody's kind of questions about going into it, no like popular music was used. It was music that was completely fitting for the movie and the situation and everything. Yeah, yeah it was all written and scored for this particular movie. Yes. And we, uh, as of two days ago, we decided to check out a nice little romp that was under <laughs> an hour and a half that fits so perfectly because we're a metal couple and this movie had a couple metal couples in there it did it is a horror movie that you can check out for free on tubi so the only reason you wouldn't check out this movie is because you don't want to because it's free a movie known as death metal <laughs> So, could you please describe for the audience what death metal is all about? And is it a double entendre? <laughs> it is, let me tell you. Um, it kind of takes mm, inspiration, shall we say, from some other movies of the same genre. Um, it is about a band that is kind of on the brinks of breaking up, let's say, and they go to record an album in kind of a last-ditch effort to kind of get their, their popularity and their uh, band back in the spotlight. And um, they utilize somebody else's music, let's just say, uh, to be kind of the basis for this album. And it invokes some crazy stuff going on. <laughs> and yes, that music is, of course, Mersbo, who is just known for creating random noise and selling it as music. Basically. I mean, it's not Mersbo, but you could have fooled me. <laughs> uh, the main reason to see this is you can see everything that's going to happen from a mile away. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of trope 
that has been done with any kind of metal horror movie done over and over and over again. You go into it for the room style laughs where maybe they're trying to be serious, maybe they're trying to be joking, but you still get huge laughs out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band shirts that's going on, I mean, they, they got Death, Megadeth, Origin, Incantation. They ha- Well, Incantation actually makes a does a full-on song in the opening credits and then they kind of make fun of the band after they get off on stage (laughs) as well um yeah it's the kind of horror movie you could never ever take seriously you do it for the cheap kills you do it for the cheap laughs and it's like an hour and 20 minutes so what else are you going to do with your life exactly i mean it's it's definitely not a movie you would call good by any stretch of the imagination but it's enjoyable like just sit back poke fun at it enjoy the metal jokes throughout it and have a good time with it all right so we're gonna do this next one pretty quickly as we don't have a lot to talk about uh watched AEW dynamite nothing really to write home about the only thing i tried to enjoy about it was the return of rob van dam on the national tv yes lost in a very quick and crappy way that's about all i really remember about the show that and i remember the jericho appreciation society kind of broke down but who knows what's going to happen with that (laughs) yeah is it real is it fake do you care all these questions will be answered (laughs) and more uh, for TV, we haven't really watched anything uh, outside of uh, like the YouTube stuff that we normally yeah. um, watch or uh, podcasts that we listen to. Uh, that was about it. I watched my Real Housewives, but there's nothing to uh, really bring up with that. <laughs> well, I didn't hear you screaming at the TV, so no. I guess there wasn't really anything Not going on. Not this week. But uh, games. Uh, I'm going to have you go first here. So I don't really have a whole lot of my end. I've been playing Skyrim still. Still running into more issues, of course. Thank you, Bethesda. Bethesda. I can't talk. Bethesda. Bethesda. <laughs> um, for not allowing me to complete my missions, but you know, it's still fun. Um, but on your end, you've been playing some games. Uh, yes. Uh, there's been a, uh, I've been going back and forth with uh, Far Cry 6 again still because uh, those kind of open world games I can just get lost into very easy. And even if I'm replaying some of the missions and stuff like that, it just feels good for me. It helps me think of other things mm-hmm. and I feel good with that. But uh, a couple new games I've been uh, checking out over the last 24 hours or so. Uh, one is called Blasphemous and I actually got to thank uh, the YouTuber, the completionist on this one, as he uh, just made a video about uh, completing this game. Mm. Uh, it is a religious based horror Castlevania game <laughs> that is a uh, Metroidvania style, which if you're not familiar with that term, it's like the old days of the games Metroid and Castlevania, where you have to discover this whole map. There might be secret areas. You have to go back and forth in the places. It's not really linear. Like you can uh, go about it your own way and it's got a lot of like a dark religious overtones behind it a lot of crucifixions and killing people in the name of god and stuff it it's a very interesting story which i think uh i can't wait to discover a bit more about yeah but another game i've been wanting to play ever since it came out but i wanted it to get a little bit cheaper on playstation and it finally did is the game evil west which is also kind of in the same vein with uh, the horror style and actually goes back into killing vampires and werewolves and all yes. these other dark demonic creatures. It's all uh, third person over the shoulder style. So it kind of looks like uh, the, the new versions in, of God of War while you're playing it. Uh, for a double A game, it looks immaculate. Mm-hmm. Like this was not a game that was sold at full price. And it still looks like it's a triple A game. Like mm-hmm. it, it looks so cool. The one downside is it's 
really only meant to be played once unless you go back and play it at a harder difficulty. Like you get all of the hidden stuff, you get all of the story in one run through, which is the main reason I wanted to wait for it to be a little cheaper. Yeah. But I am glad that it got it now at 40% off mm-hmm. because I'm thoroughly enjoying the story, even though it's as, uh, it's as deep as a puddle when it comes <laughs> to the story. Like, you know what's going to happen. It's all about the gameplay and yes. how it looks and the fun of like uppercutting vampires with a spiked gauntlet or using a revolver or rifle or shotgun to be able to kill creatures of the undead. Yeah. Now, I played both of these when you were around. Of course, yeah. you were playing Skyrim at the time. Uh, what did you think of both of these from what you saw? Yeah, so Blasphemy, I didn't pay that much attention to. Blasphemous, sorry. But Evil West looks amazing. Like, it is definitely a cool look to it, and it looks like a fun game. And you also play Brewhorse. Yes, that was the last thing I was going to be bringing yeah. up. Is I thought it was going to be coming back out on Friday, uh, as a recording uh, two days ago. But it turned out it came out back on Tuesday. The final update for Broforce, known as Broforce Forever. <laughs> it has six brand new characters, a couple new storylines that are going on, uh, some improvement, uh, life improvements for playing the games. Uh, one of your favorite characters uh, got brofied yes. as uh, Brophy the Vampire Slayer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you've seen me play Broforce over the years. What do you yeah. think? It just looks like dumb fun. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it actually looks kind of tough in some spots, but like outside of that, it's just dumb fun. And you can make it easier as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just play it on harder now to get more of a challenge out of it. Mm-hmm. And it is on the Switch. Yes. It's downloaded on the Switch. I so you could play that at any time you wanted to. I could. To. I could. You're not going to, but you could at Maybe any at time. some point. Maybe at some Come point. Come on, Brophy the... You could play Brophy the Vampire I Slayer. Could. I could. Yeah. So that's what I've been playing and of course uh coming up with uh, games in a couple weeks is a game that i can't wait to play and i hope you find a way to be able to play it starfield yes uh, that's going to be coming out September 6th. Um, of course, uh, the way it's being sold is Skyrim in space, which mm-hmm. I, it sounds like a lofty goal. Yes. And it also <laughs> sounds like there's going to be a lot of bugs that come along with that. But what else would you expect from Bethesda? Can I collect blue cheese in space? That is the real question. That is the real question. But um, from what you've seen about Starfield, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be fun? I mean, from the descriptions and everything, I'm, I have high expectations, but I'm trying to like keep them down so I don't get too disappointed if it doesn't live up to it but it sounds like it'd be right up my alley and one thing that does help ease the pain even if it doesn't end up being the world's greatest game yes is the fact that we're not paying full price for it it's going to be available for free on game pass exactly so whether you play on your tablet or if i can finally convince you to get one of those pc handhelds or a laptop yeah Oh, it's not even emulation. Not emulator. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Like, uh, well, there's other ones where you can like stream it and stuff like that. But uh, there's other ones where you can actually get Game Pass available yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. But whether you do that or get a laptop or whatever, I hope that you can sit down and actually play Starfield because yeah. I know our, even though I love our TV, mm-hmm. it's huge. It looks magnificent. Yes. I know you can get sick from it. <laughs> I can. I can. Another thing we heard about is a new South Park game coming out, Snow Day. Yes. And this has been quite the topic of controversy or controversy, controversy <laughs> however you want to say it. 
the last couple South Park games have looked very much like a South Park episode. Like they have that 2D animation style. Yes. It, it, it looks just like you're watching Comedy Central. And it has like absolutely bonkers stories and stuff like that going on. Where as this one feels like it's going to be a multiplayer game where mm-hmm. up to three up to three of your friends can basically throw snowballs and other weapons at each other. <laughs> what do you think of this from the outside? So, I mean, we don't really have friends. <laughs> if if it has to be multiplayer, then I'm kind of saddened by it. But if you can play it solo, then I'm all for it. As far as the look goes, I, I get it's a shift from previous games, but I mean, in reality, a lot of games that are created, like, inspired from TV shows and stuff, don't have the same style most of the times. And I'm all for a change with that. I think there's nothing wrong with that. So First of all, don't tell people that we don't have friends. We want them to think we're the most popular people in the world. I mean, okay. <laughs> Can't you hear the sincerity in my voice? Yes. But uh, second, yeah. Uh, although one thing I would love is that if it has crossplay, where you could play on the Switch, yes. I could play on the TV, and we could play together. Absolutely. I think that would be a lot of fun yeah. if that was possible. I don't know if it will, but uh, it's going to be coming out next year, and I'm very curious to see how it pans out. Yeah. One thing that of note is that it will not be a full price game. Right. Mm-hmm. So even if it sucks, it's a little more palatable. Exactly. Exactly. And another thing with the looks, like. Like, if they veer off of what they did previously, that gives them a lot more, like, rain and a lot more possibility of what they can do. I mean, it could look amazing. (laughs) And you would think so. And I think a lot of the problem comes to it, like, I know you didn't play it, but South Park 64 on Mm -hmm. the Nintendo 64 is highly regarded as one of the worst games to ever be on the Nintendo 64. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it has that 3D South Park style. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are unfairly comparing it to that. Mm. And they think, well, if it was, like, that then it's gonna be like this right which i think people are stupid for thinking that because that was almost 30 years ago now (laughs) oh god (laughs) yeah behold the ravages of age yes but no um that's a lot of stuff to be looking forward to coming up uh one more i'd like to mention is wrestle quest which was supposed to be coming out back on tuesday as well but there was a game breaking bug that actually deleted all of your saves so instead of releasing the game the the development studio did the right thing and delayed the game by two weeks weeks to make sure that that is not going to happen and especially for what i understand is a 60 to 70 hour long game you do not want to lose those saves (laughs) no But it is a turn-based RPG about wrestling, both modern and classic era wrestling. And it really has me intrigued. I think it's only going for 30 bucks. Not bad. And it comes out the Tuesday after my birthday. Mm -hmm. And it might be something to hold me over until Starfield comes out. Absolutely. From what you've seen, what do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, number one, having a wrestling game that's that lengthy is just such a new concept. (laughs) So I'm curious to see how it will actually play out, but I'm very intrigued by it. Even with turn-based style? I, I, I'm i not a fan of turn-based style, definitely, at all. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be, you know, more fun elements thrown in, so it's not as bad. And that's how it usually is for me, too. I'm usually not a big turn-based style gamer, but uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon kind of turned me around on that, mm-hmm. where it's, at least so far, the only game I've ever played that's turn-based that I actually thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, with the Yakuza series, it is so known for being like a beat em up style. You just go up to people and beat them up, as the style implies. And this one is turn based. I don't have a problem with it, and I think it really fits. And if you can do that with a wrestling game and make it like a 60, 70 hour long RPG that's mm-hmm. actually fun from start to finish, yeah. I'm intrigued. <laughs> and of course, to wrap things up here, as we like to do with every episode, we talk about the music that we've been either enjoying lately or what to look forward to. And I'm going to have you start this off as uh, there's been some names that I've forgotten about that uh, we discovered together that uh, you've been checking out lately. Yeah, so one thing we checked out this week, and apparently we totally missed this earlier this year, is Winger had a new album come out. Yes. Um, Haven't checked out the full album yet, but we did go through and watch the music videos for the singles and... Our guy Kip is bringing it. He is bringing it. And Reb, oh, yeah. I'm thoroughly enjoying what they're doing right now. It's a little bit darker, a little bit kind of heavier in some aspects. And it's really great. She's only 43. 43. Not yet. I'm not. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) No, that's what Kip does uh, instead of doing 17 now. So. Yes. Unlike uh, the Ted Nugents of the world, at least he knows where he was wrong and has tried to make amends. (laughs) It's true. Um, We also checked out the new singles from Ronnie Atkins. Oh, that was emotional. That was emotional. Like, I mean, we don't deserve this man, first of all. He's such an amazing voice. He's been a part of so many amazing projects. um, Including? Including Pretty Maids, um, uh, Nordic Union. What else? I'm forgetting now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Aventasia? (laughs) Aventasia, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a lot of amazing things. But as if you don't know, he's also dealing with cancer, and um, which is a horribly scary thing to to deal with deal with whether yourself or somebody you love it's it's terrible well it's not even just cancer it's terminal, terminal cancer yeah mm, yes and so one of his uh singles really kind of had that meaning of kind of just taking each day um as as a gift and kind of just making the most of it and i would definitely recommend checking it out because hearing those words come from him definitely give you kind of a, a a different view yeah i'm blanking out on when it's coming out but the album is called trinity and it should be out either in september or october so it's definitely something to look forward to i would love to be able to do an interview with ronnie to Absolutely. be able to make that happen maybe it will maybe it won't but maybe mm-hmm. uh, a couple things i've been checking out as of late uh, i've done a couple new interviews um as i mentioned on the show last week i have marizio of cataclysm uh, i got that one up right now uh, a new band that's uh, we've been enjoying which uh, kind of has that uh, 80s aor almost power metal heavy metal kind of sound mm-hmm. uh, scream maker yes uh the album came out uh back last month but uh, i got to do an interview with the lead singer uh what do you think of scream maker yeah i thoroughly enjoy them they definitely have that power metal sound to them but kind of like you said a little bit more kind of the aor side um kind of just a mix of other things too but it, it's a really great sound they got going on yeah like uh, i hear elements of power metal in there a couple songs uh, kind of remind me of early bon jovi which is uh, something you don't really hear from a lot of bands nowadays <laughs> no. um and they also have their own unique sound that they're doing as well too and in the interview they mentioned they might be bringing in some metalcore elements as well in okay. the next album so that'll be very very intriguing if they go about that and also another interview it's not up yet but i cannot wait to show this one off my 895th interview with juan brujo of brujeria who has new album coming out uh, mid-september through nuclear blast i love brujeria ever since i heard their cover of the macarena marijuana the marijuana (laughs) but uh and they kind of do the same thing on this album too with uh the eric clapton song cocaine with uh, Coquina. 
<laughs> but uh, they are a band with the gimmick that they're all from Tijuana. They're all drug dealers. And uh, <laughs> they, they either kill people or they party. Uh, members of Faith No More and Fear Factory and so many other, uh, Napalm Death and so many other bands have been a part of this at some yes. point. And uh, the lead singer does not do many interviews. He's only been doing it. Uh, I'm, I'm only one of four people who got to do an interview with him uh, for this album cycle. So I, I thought that was amazing that uh, Nuclear Blast trusts me with something like that and there is some jaw dropping stories uh, <laughs> that you got to hear during this that yes, uh, I, I can't talk about yet because I want you to check out it but uh, let's just say Donald Trump is well aware of Brujeria now <laughs> <laughs> yes I was a fly on the wall and there was some amusing stuff so definitely check that out on YouTube now I know that's not your particular style but I think right. you I think you did enjoy l- listening to him yeah, musically, when we were listening to it, it isn't completely up my alley, but definitely enjoyed the interview. He's a riot, and like I, I think it might be worth it just for the lyrics. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff that's going to be coming up as well, too. Um, uh, the big one coming up uh, the day before my birthday, August 18th, uh, the brand new album from Syra. Yes. Which is uh, something I'm very excited to be able to check out. Uh, uh, Jakey, I am so happy to say, is a friend of mine, and I'm hoping that uh, we're going to be able to do an interview to be able to promote the album this week. Uh, we talked about uh, that. I really feel like Syra has really become the band that they've wanted to be since the first album on this new one. I'm very excited for that. Um, is there anything else in the short term that you're looking forward to? Yes, also coming out that same day is the new Warman album. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm a huge Warman fan, and especially now that, uh, unfortunately, Lexi is no longer with us. I know this is kind of uh, where Yanni is kind of getting some of that energy out, so it's gonna, gonna be really really good to hear that oh that would have been a great interview to do absolutely uh, talking to Yanni, but uh yeah i'm excited to check that one out as well i think that's probably gonna make my top 10 of august mm-hmm. i have a good feeling um before we wrap things up is there anything else you'd like to bring up or anything before i get the plugs in uh nothing i can think of the only thing i i missed checking out this week was the new king cobra album came out last week um so i need to check that out still but yeah if you've checked out any of this new stuff let us know what you think all right well let's get some of these plugs in and i just want to thank you so very much for checking out episode five which uh i think we're probably going to call pocket sand to celebrate the life of dale gribble absolutely um a couple things of note like i mentioned with the interviews make sure to go check them up on youtube.com slash heavy debriefings and uh as of yesterday i put up the penultimate episode of the 10 albums from every year i've been alive series Mm -hmm with 2021 coming out this coming saturday my 35th birthday which i'm very curious what's gonna happen are we just gonna stay home and watch collision for the first time through we'll find out but uh that will be the final episode the top 10 albums of 2022 where the next day we will be recording our top 10 albums from 1988 to 2022 i got my list which i think i have to narrow back down to 10 but uh i know you're working on yours as well too 20 so far (laughs) it's it's very hard absolutely and yeah um we're saving that specifically for the podcast um i mainly because i want you to keep listening in and i think it would just be fun to do as we're doing these top tens on the show here Uh, i know i need to come up with a new series on youtube to kind of replace the void that will be replaced there but we'll figure it out in due time but once again thank you so very much for tuning in make sure to check out heavy debriefings on all your favorite social media media sites of facebook instagram threads 
YouTube, not Twitter or X because uh, until Elon Musk sells the company, I just don't trust it anymore, <laughs> but all under the name of Heavy Debriefings. And for the Metal Fairy, this is Josh Runquist for the Heavy Debriefings podcast saying, see ya.